Hello, welcome to Heritage Church. We are so glad that you are joining us for worship today. As a church, we exist to connect people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. So if this is your first time joining us for service, or if you have any questions, prayer requests, or want to talk to one of our pastors, please go to heritageqc.com connect, and one of us on the pastoral team will contact you this week. For now, I'd like to invite you to raise your voice to make a joyful noise as we begin to worship God together. Would you sing with me? Amen, let's give him all we are. He's worthy of our worship. Let's put our hands together. Amen, the power of the spirit of our God is in this place today. Come on.
so good to be up here singing with y'all again. Let's just continue this declaration of who God is, the power that he has, and just all the things that we believe in. Every day he does something new for us, but he is always the same. He's always that same God. So let's just declare today we believe who he is.
creemos en el nombre de Jesucristo. We believe in the name of Christ Jesus. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and take a seat as we spend just a few moments in prayer together today. You know, as we're declaring these truths of who we know God to be, declaring that his name is the name above every name, that he is the one who provides a way when there seems to be no way, I'm reminded that these words that we've sung together are words the Church Universal declares together all over the world. And we join with the church all over the world today with hearts broken as we see um, the false god of war raise his ugly head once again. As we see people called to arms to fight brother against brother and sister against sister and friend against friend in Russia and the Ukraine. As we recall that in those spaces, as tragic as that is, and it is tragic, that that's not the only place of unrest or battle in our world. In the last 48 hours, there have been airstrikes in Ukraine, in Somalia, in Yemen, in Syria. Each of those affecting real living people, families, individuals, marked by God's very image. And it can be hard for us to know what are we to do from where we sit? How are we to engage in this? And what I'm confident of this is this, that God hears our prayer and responds, and that he loves and cares for every individual that finds their life marked by very real conflict right now. Whatever side of that conflict they may find themselves on, Christ Jesus, the one who we declared we believe in, died and rose and ascended and intercedes for them. I'm reminded of this passage of scripture from Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. Come and see what the Lord has done. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And we're reminded that God, God is the king of the world. He is in charge. And that he is going ahead of us and our friends and neighbors even now. And so we're going to pray to that end as we even prepare our hearts for message this morning. So let's pray together. Father, Son, and Spirit. God, your word says how good and pleasing it is when people live together in unity. How it must break your heart to see those of us whom you have created so quick and willing to destroy one another. We're reminded that you are the Prince of Peace 
the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great and mighty one, the great I am. And so we pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would be the God who speaks so loudly, undeniably we hear you, you who call us to peace and unity and shared purpose as those who bear your image. We pray for the families who are affected by this, those who are getting ready to go to bed yet again under the threat of imminent harm. And we pray that you would give sweet sleep to your beloved, as only you can. Show us as your people how to be people of peace, how to be people living on purpose, who share the goodness of our God for the sake of the world. And Lord, though we don't know always how to pray, we simply ask that you would do what only you can do. So do it. Bring peace and comfort strength and unity, we pray. And now as we turn our minds and hearts to a time of teaching from your word, prepare us, help us to hear from you, to be transformed by you so that we can go and be the people you are calling us and transforming us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, Rock Island, how you doing? doing good? Like two of you are doing good? That's great. That's great. Hey, uh, I am so grateful that each of you are here in this space. I am so grateful for the opportunity to be able to worship with you and, and for us to be able to worship together. Uh, there is something special about the gathered church, and, and I hope that you have experienced that already today. And we're going to just continue to, to lean in to what the, the Lord has for us. But before we really, really get going, I, I want to just say that I love the people that I get to work with. I, I love the Heritage staff, and I, I love being able to work with them each and every day. They are a group of hardworking individuals who are, just love Jesus. They are pursuing the things of Jesus, and, uh, and it's just so much fun to be able to work with those women and those men. But I will say this, they also like to have a little bit of fun, uh, a, a little bit of fun. And, and I will also say that it, it's almost as if I have a, a tag on my forehead that says, prank me, because my teammates do that quite a bit. It, it may have something to do with the fact that I, I prank them. I don't know. But, <clears throat> but I, I want to just walk you through some of the things that happen in our office. By the way, before I do this, we do actually work, okay? I promise you that. But, uh, but here's a couple of things that have happened to me like just in the last six months, okay? So here you go. Picture number one is, uh, yeah, so there's a couple of things going on here. The, the first is obviously the beware with heritage pins that you can find on your seat back. Um, but then behind the beware is uh, a bunch of books, and it's hard to see, but all of the books are like turned opposite way every other one. It's turned opposite way. My books get messed with all the stinking time because they know it really bothers me. And I have probably three commentary sets and they'll take uh, commentaries and put them out of the proper biblical order, which they know really bothers me a lot. They will change dust jackets so that I'll open a book 
thinking it's Genesis and it's actually Revelation. You know, there, there's all sorts of things that happen uh, with my book. So that's one grouping of pranks that happen. There's another grouping, and there's a couple of photos for this, but I just recently was gifted with uh, uh, the cardinal mascot Fredbird Redbird, a stuffed animal. And there's, there's a ton of things that happen to this guy. I've not had him very long, and he has taken so much abuse. Just this innocent character. So here's one, the, the next one. Like, it's like Han and Carbonite for you Star Wars fans out there. It's, it's bad. And then the last one is uh, it, he was taken, he was kidnapped and held for ransom. And I had to pay like 20 Nerf bullets to get him back. Like it was, it was weird. So anyway, uh, there's that grouping. Then uh, I got back from vacation a couple weeks ago, and this is what I saw in my cubicle. Um, I mean, it, it, it is exhausting a, a little bit. Um, and then finally... And this was my favorite prank of all. My Nerf gun was put in jello. <laughs> Just, I don't even know. I don't even know. There was conspirators, there was signs, there was all kinds of stuff that was happening that day. And that, that was my favorite. Because um, I think the people knew that uh, I love the TV show The Office, was, you know, ran about 10 years ago. And that was one of the, the trademark pranks from that show. So there was some damage to personal property. The gun has not worked very well since um, at all. But... Uh, I don't, I don't know. So anyway, enough shenanigans, okay? That's, that's it. But uh, we, we've been in the midst of a series on Ephesians for the last couple of weeks, four weeks to be exact. We're going to continue this series as we keep going. And it's been a great time of reflection. It's been a great time of learning. Pastors Jeremiah, Pastor, Pastor Chris have done a great job of leading us through these conversations thus far. And so we have gotten through the first four chapters of Ephesians fairly quickly, actually, and we're going to start to slow down a little bit and, and take the last two chapters. Uh, we're going to spend two weeks on each of those chapters. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn or click with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be hanging in verses 1 through 20 today. We're not going to have a chance necessarily to read each and every verse today, but I am praying that the Lord will illuminate exactly what needs to be illuminated in each of our hearts and that we would leave here changed as we encounter his word together. Now, this might sound a little weird, but I actually want to start at the very end of our assigned passage today and then kind of work our way back from there. So I want to start with verse 18, read through verse 20, and just allow these words from Paul to wash over you. This is what it says. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, friends, I want us to look again at verse 18 and, and just notice that line there because I think this is going to frame everything that we're going to do and say today. It, there's that, that line that says, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that really does set direction for us today. That, that's important. Because I think what we can do then is begin to look at the rest of this passage through the question, what does it look like for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What are what the tangible proofs that, that we have the Spirit in our lives and that we are submitted to the Spirit's leading? And, and I think that this text that we're going to look at today actually gives us some really great answers to this question. 
But before we even get that far, allow me just to make one quick observation. And the observation is this, that, that this is not the first time in the book of Ephesians that the Apostle Paul mentions the Holy Spirit. In fact, Holy Spirit's already been mentioned at least five times. In fact, I, in your notes, I've included the references in case you would want to go back and kind of put it together like a puzzle and, and, and sort of look at all of these beautiful images that, that Paul has stacked up on us as it relates to the Spirit's working in our lives. And, and to suffice it to say for us and for our time today that, that Paul connects themes of unity and renewal and identity and inheritance and love and strength and, and other things all into the working of the Holy Spirit, into what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us and through us. All of those things are brought into the conversation from Paul, so all of those things actually can, can begin to communicate what we're going to deal with today, what we're going to wrestle with, what we're going to be challenged by and encouraged by today through the duration of chapter 5. And so I wanted to just highlight that this has been a consistent theme throughout the entire book. But then we get to the first segment of chapter 5. And, and remember the question— what does it tangibly look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I'd like to suggest that one of the, one of the proofs, that one of the litmus tests of, of being submitted to the Spirit is that it's a life that is filled with Christ-like love. It's a life that's filled with Christ-like love. I'll get to the passage in just a minute, but it was interesting. Last week, Pastor Jeremiah, who's, who's here with us in Rock Island, we've already heard from him today, he did such a great job of preaching through chapter four, and, and he talked about how God created us for more, and so we should not settle for less. And, and he get, last week, he, he walked us through the very end of chapter four, and, and he took a look at this section of, of Scripture where there is just so much implication for us relationally. There, there is so much for us to, to hold on to in terms of how we interact with the people around us. And, and so that was kind of bouncing around my heart this week as I started to look at chapter 5, and I realized in one of the commentaries that I opened up to kind of just look and read uh, and, and just think and, and dream about this time, I I recognized that there, there were actually some translations, some Bible translations that put the end of chapter 4 and stacked it right into the first two verses of chapter 5, making it one coherent block of thought. And as soon as I read it that way, I could immediately see, oh man, that, that is the way to read this passage. And, and I hope that when you hear it, you'll get it. You'll, you'll, start, to, you'll start to feel it. But I want to start with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, and then walk our way through uh, the first two verses of chapter 5. Here's, here's how it sounds. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. I think, Jeremiah, you said last week, basically don't be a jerk. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was great. It was great. And then instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now listen, this is where it spins to chapter 5. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. I mean, when we ask the question, what does the Holy Spirit what does it look like to be filled up with the Holy Spirit? Well, 
based on this passage, it looks a ton like Jesus. And it means that we are fueled by his sacrificial love. It means that that how we interact with others, it matters, that, that how we speak to them, about them, over them, how we react to others, all of those things should be shaped and informed by the sacrificial love of Jesus. So I can see immediately why those verses kind of form a coherent thought because, you know, you, you think about bitterness and rage and anger and slander. I mean, those, those are things that we need to reject and eject from our lives because they don't match the example that Jesus sets for us in his own life. In fact, his sacrificial demonstration of love models much more closely these concepts from Paul about kindness and tenderness and forgiveness. Now, we, we've already had a great time of prayer today. We, we know we've been in the midst of a week with just some high geopolitical news and drama, and there, there's so much to be praying for around the entire world, but the latest on the list is the people in Ukraine. And one of the things that always fascinates me about these high drama, highly traumatic moments in human history is that there are always these little slivers of hope that shine through the darkness. And one of the shimmering things that I saw this past week was thousands and thousands of Russians walking the streets of their cities protesting the invasion, protesting at great personal cost to themselves. I mean, to to me, this is a real-time demonstration of sacrificial love. And it it made me consider, you know, that, that is... That's going on, a demonstration of love on a, micro, or on a macro level, on a big, big level, on a big stage. And it made me consider on a micro level, what, what are the small ways that I am actually demonstrating sacrificial love in my spheres of influence? Am I, am I doing anything as sacrificial as that? And then it made me think back to this passage. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. See, see friends, here's the truth. When we walk in love, we are fully stepping into God's original design and his creational intent for us as humans, for you and for me. And on the flip side, when we hand ourselves over to anger and rage and unforgiveness and bitterness, we are choosing things that actually diminish us as human beings, that that move us further and further away from his creational intent and purpose for our lives. so, so, So the call before us, church, is that we would choose love, that we would choose humility, that we would choose the way of Jesus, the way of sacrifice, and that our lives would actually be cross shaped in everything that happens in us and through us, filled with sacrificial love and compassion. But then we get to the middle part of this passage in Ephesians. And, and again, we, we want to bring the, the question to the text. The question is, what does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? I think that this middle section gets into a great answer. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and give you the fill-in now, and then we're going to kind of move on with this. But, but being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you are walking in the light of Christ. Now, one of the things that we've been doing in this teaching series so far, and we're going to continue to do as the weeks go on, is we've been inviting surprise guests to come and share with us at, at different points in time. Sometimes they'll be live, sometimes there'll be video. And uh, we have a surprise guest that I, I want to go ahead and invite up now. 
Uh, this is Michaela Colbreeze, and she has been certainly, yeah, let's welcome her for sure. <clears throat> she has, here we go. She has been serving as the, the family life re resident uh, since the beginning of summer, right? Has it been that long already? Since the, yeah, so she's been really rocking it, uh, creating spaces for our kids to thrive and find Jesus. And, and she, uh, I, I've been friends with you since way before you came to Heritage. Uh, so it's, it's been a blast to be able to work with this person. She is also the one responsible for the Jello <laughs> trick. Yes. Um, so I have... <laughs> So I have reported you to HR, but, um, but that, so no. But hey, I am so, so thankful that you're here, mm -hmm. my friend, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do and say through you. And so can we just welcome her one last time uh, today? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Well, good morning. <laughs> um, I am not going to stand up here and do like Josh said. I'm going to read off of this. But it is still a, a spirit-inspired message. I prayed a lot, of, a lot about it. And so just bear with me if I look at this a little bit more than you. Well, here we are, back on the potter's wheel, aren't we? Being pulled and pushed, right? Cultivated in our spiritual growth. I'm from this area. I grew up here. And I currently reside over on this side of the river in Illinois. I'm raising three ginormous boys. Uh, my oldest son, Miguel, is 17. My middle son, Nathaniel, is 13. And my youngest son, Noah, he is 10. Now, um, each of my boys, they are huge blessings. They're such enormous blessings um, in the chapters of my life. But unfortunately, a lot of the pages in those chapters of when my children came into their life, uh, into my life, was filled with decisions and beliefs, uh, circumstances and consequences that led to a life experience of impactful and faith-turning events. And I'm not going to uh, delve much further into that, um, just because we don't really have the time, but God will still be glorified in the minor pieces that I share. A big chunk of my story was once tethered into uh, to darkness, and it inspired the ways which I moved in my life, and in turn, it harmed those that were closest to me. And maybe that resonates with some of you, right? Maybe some of you have had these seasons where you felt far from the Lord through your own willful actions and behaviors, which led to the circumstances and the consequences. So today I'm super excited to lean in a little bit deeper into Ephesians with you um, because it really resonates with my life, this part. In Ephesians 8, uh, chapter 5, 8 through 10, it says this, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true carefully determine what pleases the Lord. The Apostle Paul is revealing things here about livelihood, such as attitudes and behaviors, all the idolatries that we hold on to, the things that don't reflect having a life filling, filled with the love of Christ. 
In fact, he's even reiterating this in various ways so that there is an understanding that can be reached, that these are not his opinion or suggestions or even his standards, but instead they are a beckoning of God's heart for you. Paul is teaching us that these things, these things over here, right? The greed, the lust, the idolatries, that by the way, we all struggle from, right? From time to time, we all struggle with them. He's telling us that they keep us in the dark and that they are eternally harmful to us. In fact, they are strongholds of deception set up by your adversary, the devil. He is our ultimate spiritual enemy. And in being so, he schemes and deceives in such a way that he would disguise and present these things which keep us in the dark as light. Deception has always and will always be his weapon of choice against the children of God. And maybe you're thinking, but if we know this, why is it so effective? And again, in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Paul explains that he, the devil, masquerades as an angel of light. And why would he use light as a disguise? Because it keeps you in a stronghold. It keeps you captivated, right? But then he thrusts you into darkness and becomes your loudest accuser, leaving you to your shame and discouragement. Let's read that one part again. It says, for once you were full of darkness, but now, now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. We all have seasons of darkness, right? But through Jesus, we have the opportunity to step into grace and mercy, to live a life filled with Christ-like love. You see, to imitate the example of Christ, it's not some Stepford wife-like standard, right? It's not worldly, it's not even Paul's standard, you know, for you to be perfect Christians. It's the vertical to the horizontal relationship. This is God's righteousness for your lives, an eternal, everlasting agape love for us. It is an invitation from the Holy Spirit into walking into the light which radiates the heart of God. The imitation is the acceptance of the invitation into an intimate relationship with God. Let's keep going. Um, in Ephesians, uh, starting at 11, it says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I love how Paul continually uses the word expose in this translation. The Holy Spirit, the light within me and you, it says expose these things. Through the sacrificial love of Christ, we can faithfully receive and trust that the Holy Spirit is our great advocate while we wait for the return of Christ. And this is important because we see the mercy and the grace through the promise of the light brought into fruition. So we know that this bringing 
uh, excuse me, so we know that this bringing these things into the light is in fact good for us. The Holy Spirit is not saying expose these things so you can be condemned. The enemy says that. He says if you expose these things, you'll be condemned. So keep them in the darkness. He tells you, he tells you this so that he can continue to work in your life. His goal is to manipulate, to distort, and to thwart all that you're doing. He wants to throw you off balance so that you grow weary and believe that God is not as great as the mountains before you, right? But the thing is, the truth is, right? When we don't live as people, when we choose to not live as people in the light, to not align our lives with God's truth, we ultimately place ourselves in harm's way. We become exposed to the lack of the enemy's mercy, open to his attacks. This is a truth and a caution. It's not to minimize your life experience. Instead, it's to increase it. There is a beautiful tone of righteousness in the book of Ephesians as it is revealing of identity through the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, on the cross. So the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is teaching about the Spirit-filled life. He's showing you what is keeping you in the darkness, where it can be found through the sins, the temptations, even in our struggles, why you should get rid of it, and finally, how to live a Spirit-filled life. I bring you good news. The Holy Spirit, he, it convicts sin. The Holy Spirit convicts sin. Satan condemns you, but the Holy Spirit convicts the sin and reminds you that Jesus died for that sin. Holy Spirit says, expose these things, bring them into the light, illuminate, unveil, release, surrender them so that the light can touch the darkness and shine through it. Conviction is guidance back into the light. It's a beautiful gift that leads you into the heart of the Father. It's not condemnation. And heeding convictions from the Holy Spirit empowers us to place on the breastplate of righteousness and to live intentionally into that righteousness. Now this must be done with surrender, prayer, discernment, and a careful selection of whom you do reveal these things to, right? And this is why it is so important, church. It is so important for this body to pursue after that sacrificial love lifestyle because then people can come to us safely and they can expose those things, right? And in doing so, we become keys, keys of unlocking these gates that have kept them prisoner. Now earlier, I mentioned that I have had my own battles of walking in the light. God placed people in my life that reflected the love of Christ. They encouraged my vulnerability by creating safe spaces for me to bring the dark, excuse me, the darkness into the light. And the miracle happened. I began to change. And as the Holy Spirit revealed to me the heart of God more and more, 
I experienced a firm foundation and peace. I'll never forget the day as I was in the midst of this ongoing process. I was driving in the car with my oldest son, Miguel, and he was younger, he was maybe 11. And we had been going to church, it was actually a new thing in our lives, and he turned to me and he said in a somewhat defiant voice, who do you love more? Us, the children that you gave birth to and are raising, or God? My poor son. He was the oldest, and he had experienced having his mother chase after things that brought he and his brother into seasons of chaos and pain. And I knew what that little boy wanted. I knew what he wanted to hear, but instead, in the essence of all that he had experienced through my broken, I answered him this. I love God most, and he was offended. He said, what? You love God most? And I said, yes, I love God most. Because the more I lean in, the more I learn, the more I know of God and invite him into our lives, the more I allow the Holy Spirit to fill me with Christ-like love, the more I can love you best. And I realized in that moment that I desired more than anything else to pursue after the heart of God. It's not always easy. I'm human after all. I still stumble. I still have my moments and my seasons. It won't always be easy, you guys, to expose things, but it is worth the climb. God says, be intimate with me. Honor me as you walk in the light. Show me your struggles. Show me your temptations, your broken heart. And he says, and I will show you my righteous heart for you. Because he says this, you are his child, chosen, justified, blameless, and redeemed. A holy people, new and alive, set free, righteous, and victorious in Christ." You are descendants of royalty, daughters and son, whom are loved, adored, fully known, fought for. He increases your territory. He fights for you. He leaves the 99 for you. He charges his angels to protect you. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You are light in the Lord, a citizen of heaven. Your seasons of darkness, they do not identify you. God defines you. Remain in prayer and expose the darkness as a piece of your worship to God and walk in the light. Josh. Can I stay up here? Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, yeah you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, go ahead and stay because I'll have you pray. I, <clears throat> We, we did talk about this before, but <laughs> yeah, so uh, my goodness, how do you, how do you follow that? Uh, so we, we I, I, man, thank you so much, because <clears throat> what, what we asked Michaela to do in this moment is not easy. Uh, you, you guys are terrifying sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. so 
Um, and so it, it was uh, courageous. Thanks, thank you for sharing and uh, leading us into truth and encouraging us to walk in the light. And, and so we, you know, we, we talked about love, we talked about light, but there's, there's one last thing that I wanna talk through with you. And, and this, again, I, I wanna go back to verses 18 through 20. And I think that this will begin to land kind of our conversation today. But it says this again, we've, we've already read this, but don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks to everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what does it look like to be submitted to the Holy Spirit? It's a life that prioritizes worship and gratefulness. It's a lifestyle that, that prioritizes worship and gratefulness. You know, uh, Michaela and I were talking this week about verse 18, where there's, there's this verse that it talks about how, um, you know, it, don't, don't be filled with wine or don't, be, don't become drunk on wine, it will ruin your life. And Michaela uh, made the, the observation, and I think it's so true, that you could really replace anything there that distracts us from being filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to just be wine. It, it could be, you know, whatever. You, you choose whatever it is that, that will, will numb you or will distract you or will take you off course from being filled with the Spirit. Some of you, maybe it's money or, or maybe it's food or entertainment or maybe it's sexual addiction or, or as world events show us, people can certainly become drunk on power. And, and Paul is saying here, Remove anything that would stand in the way of you being completely filled and submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And the, and the anecdote that, that really that we, you know, the, the walking in darkness types of things that we see throughout this whole passage, the antidote is, is this, this thing of worship, this thing of, of gratefulness, that, that we should worship together as we are doing right now, that we should sing songs over each other to make music in your heart to express gratefulness, to, to lean on Jesus alone to fulfill you and to fill you with his love and purpose, to stand in the discipline of thankfulness. And friends, can we just agree that sometimes it is actually a discipline to stay grateful in our lives? But we have to understand spirit-filled people are grateful people. But we live in a world and if the last two years have taught me personally anything, we live in a world that wants to steal joy, that wants to steal life, that wants to steal hope, to steal reasons to be thankful. And, and for us to stay centered in an attitude of worship and gratefulness, it expresses sort of a, a defiant gratefulness to, to the things that might cause us to not be grateful or to not, to, to not understand what it is that God is doing in us and through us. There was a, a video this week that circulated, um, again, kind of going back to the, the Ukraine situation, that there was a group of Ukrainian Christians that got together and just started singing beautifully in a subway. I, maybe some of you saw that circulating uh, this week. And, and here's a group of people, while bombs and missiles and tanks and guns are coming their way, the, their response was to get together and to worship publicly. I mean, that is courage. But that is defiant gratefulness right there. There is not a lot around them that would seem to point to anything to be grateful for. And they are being defiantly grateful in that moment. And it's a great example for us. Our willingness to make worship a regular and ongoing part of our lives is so crucial 
and, and helping us keep the most important things at, at the, the most important level of our life. Instead of letting news outlets and social media and, and even our own circumstances determine our perspective on what's going on around us, that, that we run to Jesus first to be shaped by the word, to be shaped by our spiritual communities, to allow the lyrics we sing together to remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus. Now, just as a quick nod here, going back to Michaela's part of the passage, but verse 14, there, there is a, you'll notice if you've got your scriptures open, and we'll have it on the screen too in a second, but you'll notice that there is a text in verse 14 that is sort of set off differently than the prose that is, that is in the rest of of that section. And often when I run into something like that, where it kind of looks poetic in nature, I just assume that the New Testament writer is quoting something from the Old Testament. And I did some digging this week and realized that this is, this is not an Old Testament direct quotation, but rather many scholars think that verse 14 is actually an early church hymn that Paul is quoting back in this letter. Talk about a timely lyric, not just for them, but for us as well. Let me read it over us, where it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Worship reminds us of our calling as Jesus' people to stay alert, to stay in the light, to stay rooted in Christ-like love, to stay hopeful, because friends, we are resurrection people. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Friends, this, uh, this week is, this Wednesday actually, is the, it's Ash Wednesday. It's the start of the Lenten season, which is a, a historical and spiritually rich season of the church where we begin to prepare ourselves for the commemoration of the cross and the celebration of the empty tomb. And, and I wonder if the practical call for us today is to spend this Lenten season trying to figure out how we can step out of darkness and into light, how, how we can step greater and greater ways, step into sacrificial love, and, and to step out of bitterness, out of unforgiveness, out of rage, to step more fully into worship, and to step out of, of greed or impurity or anything else that would diminish us or distract us as people stamped with the image of God. And I wonder if this ancient lyric found in verse 14 might be a reminder for us to stir us out of perhaps a deep slumber that we've been in. Maybe we've fallen asleep to faith. Maybe we've fallen asleep to a calling that God has placed in our lives and we've, we've lost, but we've given up on that dream. Maybe we've fallen asleep on our spouse or on our kids, or maybe we've just, frankly, we've fallen asleep on ourselves, on who we really are in Christ. And the words from this ancient hymn, may it penetrate your soul. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. And maybe our prayer today is this, Holy Spirit, come fill us up, awaken our hearts to what you're doing, breathe new life into us, new love into us, 
and let us step deeply into your light. I've asked Michaela if she would come and pray a prayer of closing blessing over us before we continue in worship today. Michaela, would you come? Yes. Holy Spirit, mm, you are welcome here. God, we just come to you today through the Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for this time to just be unified in your love and in your truth. We just ask that you would bury these things deep in our hearts so that we can return to them. God, when we fall, may your Holy Spirit within us incline us to fall on our knees before you and to give those things back to you. Help us to walk in the light, God. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will continue to do. And in Jesus' holy, holy name, all God's people said, amen. You're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea. You have led me through the deep. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, he fights. Yes, you're the
If something during the service struck a chord with you and you'd like to have someone pray with you, or if you have a follow-up question to something said during the sermon, I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com connect, and one of us on the pastoral team will reach out to you this week. That's also a great way to find out which groups, classes, and events we are offering. Did you know that the only place in the Bible God says we can and should test Him is in our tithing? We'd encourage you to faithfully risk with us and give with radical generosity. It is your giving to the ministries of Heritage Church that makes programs like this possible. One of the easiest ways to do this is by going to heritageqc.com give. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today, and we will see you next week.